This is uh, episode 233, entitled The Story in Your Eyes, and you've just heard the eponymous song by the Moody Blues. And it gives me a chance to now talk a little bit about this issue I've been attempting to um, navigate, about the seriousness of the uh, problems of living. Remember, it was sort of catalyzed by my friend who said that at the age that we are, uh, he didn't know a single person who did not have one insuperable and impossible uh, problem or presenting issue in their lives that was simply uh, defeating at the very uh, profoundest level, whether it was a lost adult child or a, um, a, a terrible uh, defeat professionally or some astounding betrayal in the family or some loss and mourning that was uh, captivating and paralyzing. Now, I know that you really don't want to hear this. I'm perfectly well aware of nobody wants to hear this. Um, this is not good news. Someone was saying to me, she was saying, well, in her preaching, her rector had said, look, we don't want to get 
talk about life, death, and the ultimate issues of life at every service. I mean, give people a little bit of a rest. Uh, it, it, what actually I translate that is, let's not talk about it at any service. I mean, uh, that, that's what actually happens. And so, as I've said before, people go to church in some place of acute and real perceived need or loss or trouble or obstacle or opposition, and they get a very, very thin uh, gruel. Now, um, the uh, point I'm trying to make is that first, you do very well to know this. I know you don't want to know it, and I know, you know you're know you not going to know it, and anything I say, you know, you may remember it at some point. Or, in fact, it's possible that right now you're in the midst of something that you can see the sort of long term. It's like tracking um, uh, Hurricane Irma. You know, it makes a slight shift to the east. Uh, it makes a slight shift to the east, but in the long-term tracking of the storm, that slight shift now might mean that by four days from now, it's substantially to the east and is no longer threatening a particular area or is now threatening a different area than you anticipated. Now, what happens in life if is we make a slight shift to the east in our 20s or in our 40s, a slight shift, but we don't, uh, we don't, something happens is what I really mean. There's, there's, a, there's a storm, um, and, uh, but, but it causes us to make a slight shift, but 20 years from then, that slight shift has uh, just arithmetically increased to a mammoth uh, uh, infarct, you know, a, a mammoth intrusion on our peace. Um, someone was saying that... Uh, you know, an issue that was unresolved with a sibling, a brother, a, a sibling, a, a problem that was quite severe in their 20s, 30s, and got a little worse in their 40s, and then kind of went quietly dormant for 20 years, has now reemerged in the 70s, uh, the older age, late middle age, and it's absolutely the living end. It is completely destructive of a family's peace and hope. In other words, that slight shift in the family life that occurred, or at least you saw it as a slight shift, or you had so many other things going on that it, it appeared in context to be a slight shift, now turns out to have been a major shift, and uh, your own actual um, um, uh, city, the, 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 the city of God inside you, is being threatened by a direct hit from a hurricane. You would never have known it. So that's what I'm trying to ask you to look at the slight slight shifts in the track of distress, the slight angular deviations in the track of your otherwise hopefully good and smooth life, and realize, I'm asking you to realize that these, what appear to be now relatively small things, will inevitably, unless they're checked in some dramatic and powerful, and I would say redemptive manner, will only grow, and they will grow in such a way that in your 80s you will not know what hit you, and you will end up looking at life and thinking about your life uh, as if to say, what in, what was that about? That's the sort of way we put it today. But when you're talking about 70, 80 years of, of experience in this world, and you all you can say is, what was that about? And that's how many, many, many people are sort of brought to a place of dubiety and extreme interrogation at the meaning of their very existence, given a slight deviation in earlier years that turned out to be so much bigger than they thought. Now, um, you're probably saying, oh my gosh, this is uh, very um, major. Well, I want to add one other thing, and then I do want to uh, uh, end on a note of hope, and we're going to end on a repeat song that you've already heard once if you've listened to other recent podcasts that I think is absolutely fabulous. But it's worth hearing, and it's short, and it's very catchy. Now, um, I'm talking to um, someone on the phone whom I know really well, let's say, really, really well, known for many, many years. And uh, this person is going on and on and on, uh, who's my age, talking about wonderful things uh, that are happening in... Um, 
in her ministry, and uh, wonderful things are going on. And this is not anyone that any of you listening knows. No, no one, no one listening to this knows this particular person. And uh, she's going on and on. And uh, she did have, in fact, a, a broken marriage many years ago, and it was broken under, as all marriages, when they're broken, very tragically and very sadly for children and for the future. And um, she says to me after this long talking about all the good things that are going on in the parish and here and there in her life and her ministry and her work and then I say because it's been a total um, one-way conversation at the end I say well I've got to get off but um, is there anything else you want to say and there's a pause and she says, oh yes she says I, I just would do anything to get to get back with Bill now this is after 30 years of living alone from the husband um, uh, from whom she is divorced and she's saying in her 70s, I would do, and who, who, she's talking about someone who's still alive, I would do anything to get back to, with Bill. I, I, I just hope he calls me. I said, well, has he, has he reached out to you? Because there's an illness involved. Has he reached out to you at all in the last three months? And she says, no, he hasn't. He hasn't. But I would do anything. Now, after all that, we come down to the very end of the digression and we hear what's really important. This is the story in your eyes. Now, I put that I put that song up because it's a it's a wonderful song. It's by Justin Hayward and but then it was Moody Blue Eyes, which means it was heavily produced and today many people would say overproduced, but as we say today, it is what it is. It's the Moody Blues and that's how they produced it and it's a very stirring song because there's a story in your eyes, my dear friend, who with whom I'm speaking. I'm reflecting just I'm just reflecting here as if I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you right now at this moment. And I'm saying to myself, there's a story in my eyes. I hope you can see it. I hope you can hear it from the pulpit or in this podcast. And I hope you can uh, I hope you can um, you can uh, I I, I hope you can see it. I hope I can see yours. There's a story in your eyes. And this story, in fact, probably involves a, uh, uh, an intrusion on your happiness uh, that at the time seemed like a slight deviation, a slight turning of Hurricane Irma to the east. And uh, 40 years later, or 20 years later, or 30 years later, or 70 years later, um, it, uh, it's now bearing down on your peace and serenity. Now, I'd like to conclude, this is short, and I'd like to conclude by saying, okay, okay, so what, what, what you're saying, uh, what I'm saying is that um, life basically uh, ends with uh, lives that are absolutely ripped to shreds, at least internally and in the inward landscape, and sometimes in the external landscape, uh, by events that occurred years and years ago um, that are often at the time seemed like these slight turning eastwards and they sort of, you, you mastered them and it, it was, things changed in your life, but you mastered them. But because they happened when they happened so long ago, they now have a, a power that is far greater to destroy because they have just been sitting there and yet they were always there. I was thinking about Celeste Holm. She's an actress I very much admire from the 40s and 50s. I think she's one of the great Hollywood actresses. I think Celeste Holm was one of the great, great Hollywood actresses. And I owe my friend Sheila Schwartz this, uh, this uh, um, um, emphasis because I've been seeing some movies with Celeste Holm. They're beyond powerful. But she, um, at the very end of her life, I believe she owned a, an apartment on Central Park West. And because she had married a man who was much, much, much younger than she, and she had children of her own, grown, grown children who were almost his age, a legal battle occurred. She, she'd made a kind of mistake, perhaps, I don't know if she saw it that way, of a certain marriage. Marriage, and then it it sort of went on for a while until 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 she died, and 
then or near near death and then there was a legal battle between her natural children at and her then husband, and it was said she ended her life with a very fragile hold on the eleven million dollar apartment in which she lived and which she owned on Central Park West. Now think about that. I mean, think this brilliant, compassionate, poignant, empathetic actress who plays roles of, generally speaking, of humility. Well, actually, that's not true. She plays roles of great depth, womanly roles of great depth. And here she ends in this manner. And so I hope you see it. Now, you say to yourself, well, what's the hope? Well, I'll tell you what the hope is. The hope is, in fact... And here's where where we need to sort of repatriate a little element of the scripture that I've tended uh, out of a, an overly no of, out of an accurately uh, low anthropology. I've tended to kind of skate around uh, the Lord's uh, extraordinarily frequent. Um, um, uh, d- demands that we have faith or calls upon us to have faith. Where, women, woman, where is thy faith? Uh, to St. Peter, where is thy faith? Uh, you, you, there is an element here in which something called faith, which is usually a step of abandonment to the divine goodness of God. That's what Paula White often says. She says she's accused of being something called a prosperity preacher, which she has no idea what it is. But if, if she's being accused of saying that God is good, she'll stand by it. She'll stand by that part of whatever she's been preaching. God is good. And faith is the abandonment of yourself or the risky sort of opening yourself to, the, to an action based upon trust in a God who is good as opposed to a God who is either indifferent or malevolent. And most people believe that God is actually, they say they think that God is not there, but they really think deep down that there's something there that's not that is uh, not a benevolent despot, but is actually a malign influence who actually wants to get you. That's what deep down many people are convinced of, and life would make one feel that way. Faith is the opposite. Faith says, I I believe, help thou mine unbelief, or rather, I'm going to take this step of faith. The, the woman with the issue of blood had been to many, many therapists and surgeons and spiritual directors and priests and doctors and uh, specialists and uh, all sorts of uh, human relations uh, workers and uh, people in the helping professions, and none of them had helped her, but in fact she'd, she'd only become worse and she'd spent all her money in the process. And she says, well, maybe he can help me. And this time for once, and she, she takes a perilous step from her, from all sorts of points of view I could go into about purity and the gospel of women and men and the Jews of that era and all of that. She takes a risk that is phenomenal, and she goes up and she touches him. Now that is exactly what it's called for. That is the that is the way to um, kind of turn the story in your eyes to a story of serenity, acquiescence, and ultimately of joy and confidence and hope and expectation. And it doesn't come through. Um, through simply resignation of the absolute defeatedness of human existence, which I believe is correct diagnostically, all in all. But the step of faith, which is given parallel with that, to open, to open, and to uh, go uh, to the God that is good and say, and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this step. The, the mustard seed, like in the movie Little Boy, that is so brilliant. I'm going to take. I'm going to take a step, even though it seems contrary to everything. And it's the the, the strangest thing is that God almost always honors that step. Um, I know that can sound like some form of participationism. I mean, you could put a billion words on it. And I used to not really teach it. I certainly teach the same things I've always taught about the cross and about the low anthropology and the high soteriology. But I also have seen in my own life that when you get to that point with the 
the the storm that took a a five percent five degree deviation uh, ends up becoming the all consuming mother of all <laughs> the mother of all wars against your life uh, depredationally. I'm very keenly wanting to believe that at that point all we've got is the mustard seed of faith in a good God. And my experience actually happened of late that when I say all right I've I give over. Uh, he's, uh, I would say he's always come two steps forward to me. I've gone one small step to him and he's gone two steps to me. Well, I hope that helped. And that's my little podcast for today. And I give you lots of love um, and hugs. This, by the way, is It's Up to You, oddly enough, but it's a great song.